welcome to a very special UK Scriptwriters podcast, coming to you live from Right Idea Festival 2019. We've been very uh, graciously invited here to talk because we've been doing this podcast since 2010, and we started doing it once a month. But <laughs> recently, because we've been so busy doing our own stuff, we haven't done a podcast in about a year or so. So it's kind of slipped off our to-do list, but we do enjoy doing it. And I kind of regret that we don't do it every month anymore, but in a good way. The reason why we don't do it is because we become busy. We forge the podcast relationship into a working relationship. So we're making uh, our own films and TV shows and doing our, taking our own advice that we've talked about on the podcast. We've also written two books about writing, which all talk about the practical steps about writing, how you get started, how you can get ahead, how you can navigate the industry when you feel like you're no one. Um, let me introduce my good friend here, Tim Clay. Tim is a BAFTA-nominated uh, writer for a short film that he made with Stephen Doldry back in 2000, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Around Did, that bit time. before, bit before. A bit before that, maybe. It was called Eight. It's a really great short film. You should check it out. Uh, and since then, Tim's gone on to make like 60, 70 short films himself. Very accomplished filmmaker. Has done a lot of corporate work and... Um, high-end kind of crossover to TV stuff, and that's how I uh, started my collaboration with you then. Well, I'll introduce you now. So this is uh, Danny Stack, as you can tell, is originally from Ireland, moved to the uh, UK with some crazy dream of moving to London to work in the media, and uh, which I'll try and get him to talk about more later. And uh, he managed to scrape his way into Channel 5, working in the comedy department. In Channel the, 4. Channel 4, I meant, beg your pardon, in the comedy department, um, in the Ali G Times. Yeah. And um, somehow, this is the bit that makes this story a comedy story for me, uh, while he was in that production department, he saw those writers getting treated like idiots and said, that's the job for me. <laughs> yeah. So he jacked in his uh, production side and uh, became a full-time writer, um, doing the classic things of TV writing in the UK, of uh, writing for Doctors and EastEnders, um, but uh, also made a fantastic uh, horror short. Uh, however, we got together to do the podcast, because we both live in Bournemouth now, and um, really kicked off our working partnership after a few smaller projects by making children's uh, feature films and TV now. Uh, so we're now writer, director, producers, so we kind of own our own company, we, we still write, um, we still write for other people as well, but we write, direct and produce our own children's and family movies primarily, uh, so that's our current position in the world. It is, so uh, that's a recap for anybody listening after we've recorded this um, online, but for those in the room that may not be familiar with us, because uh, mm. I know a couple are, but then maybe a couple aren't at all because this is just a great free festival in uh, Tower Hamlet Stroke Whitechapel in the Idea Store. So there, there we are. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go through some questions that have been given to us in advance, and we're going to use them as a way to springboard any kind of um, practical advice that you want to know about in terms of writing. I think that's our main focus and theme in terms of keeping things practical and how you actually achieve things. Yeah. Because writing can be a very nebulous kind of dream of like how is it even possible to... It was, it was, it was for both. It was for myself and for Danny at the start. It's like what we didn't know anyone. Uh, we didn't know anyone in the business. 
um, we didn't have anyone really in the family that was, um, you know, a writer or someone like that. Uh, my, my uncle's an, an artist, so I had him as a slight inspiration of someone that doesn't have a normal job, if you see what I mean. But everybody else in my family had a sort of normal, normal, <laughs> normal job. Um, so we understand that it can be a bit uh, frustrating or a bit confusing to be on the outside of this world, which is why we kind of bang on about uh, being as proactive as you can. And that's been the theme of the podcast, if we kind of summarise what we've learned over the last few years, is something that we've become good at and we try and be advocates of is to get as much going as yourself. Um, so as a scriptwriter, I mean, this, obviously this festival covers all forms of writing, which is fantastic. And I, I did a talk earlier in the week to a group in Chichester, creative writing degree uh, course, and of course they're doing prose, poetry, all sorts of writing and script writing. And you can be a bit jealous sometimes of the prose writers because they can write a book and get it out, you know, and, and, and then people can enjoy it. But as a script writer, you always feel like, well, and it's true, that you've got all these other people to go through. You know, a script by itself is nothing. You know, it's just a, a, a recipe and a roadmap of how to make the movie or the TV thing, or the game. Um, so it's a very different beast as a writer because it's, a, it's about writing straight away as a collaborative effort. And it doesn't suit everyone, I appreciate that, um, but it's something that we've kind of taken to the ultimate, which is just like, well, yeah, We'll work together, we'll write together, we'll do that, but then we're going to kind of make it and we'll get other people in to help us. So we've kind of embraced that rather than be shy of it. We've gone the other end of the yeah. needle with that. Yeah, so that ties in with the first question that I'm going to throw out, which is if somebody wanted to create their own TV show or movie, uh, what advice would you give them? Now, uh, this is a great question in many ways because as we know, and I'm sure if you go online to seek inspiration about filmmaking or writing you might be told you know because of technology and because of the internet and uh, you can just make your own stuff you can write your own stuff and you can get it out there um and that's almost become a parody of itself in a way because you know you can just take up take out your phone and shoot something load it up on youtube and become a star or something but you know yourself the production value is not there maybe the, the writing's development is not there what we did was we combined our resources and we combined our strengths and weaknesses, as it were, because Tim is an accomplished filmmaker and I come from a more writing side, but I was interested in filmmaking. So I was learning more about filmmaking myself, but you know, uh, Tim being the accomplished filmmaker made us a good team to go, let's use all our common sense. And and you, and you, but you had better contacts as well, Danny, I, at I, that I, time. I had some industry contacts because I'd worked at Channel 4. Exactly. So, so that's why it was a good team up. So it was a good team up. But what we did on a practical level was we put, it, put up our own money first together. So we put like five grand each mm. to uh, kickstart uh, our debut feature film, which was Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, which we made in 2015. So with that 10 grand and then with a Kickstarter that we did for say like 12 grand or whatever it was, yeah, yeah. that was enough for us to get production going and to get cast and crew together. Uh, and then we could build that momentum to, um, because we were doing something to get the film made. And that's how we achieved our debut film. So we did it from a micro budget point of view, not even having enough money to finish, but we didn't care. Because we just thought if we get up and running, if we collaborate, 
if we have momentum, if we can talk to each other, then that's better than sitting in your room as an isolated writer, complaining about the system, but not understanding the system, mm. and just becoming a cliche of, you know. I, I, I think, though, well, to stop it becoming like about a film production mm. answer, I think some of the writing things we did for the who killed Nelson Nutmeg was quite canny as well. Right. So some of the things that oh, I, yeah. I reflect back on is the fact of we picked the children's genre because we knew it was underrepresented, but we loved it. So um, when we'd be, I'd had a few features in development uh, before Who Killed Nelson Nutmeg, doing it the, the, the proper way, if you see what I mean, like uh, trying to get people interested in that trying to get some more development money, applying to um, Film Council, as was then, now BFI, and, uh, you know, doing it the proper way and um, not really getting very far with those things. And the reason for that was uh, so many movies these days is based upon the, the actor, you know, who's going to be in it. And um, actors are, are sometimes a bit reticent to be involved in someone new because they don't know if it's going to be any good so it could be a waste of their time maybe even damage their reputation you know that could that's a legitimate um concern however you know we we go to the Cannes uh, film festival um most years and um the thing that's interesting about Cannes film festivals is also the Cannes market on at the same time so the film festival that's the bit that you guys would see on the telly on the news red carpet all that shenanigans and then the market is kind of happens in the dingy basement underneath and it's more about some guy who's got like 10 horror films and he's like selling them to Hong Kong or something and the guy there's going to put them out, put them in the two ninety nine DVD bargain bin and all this kind of stuff, right? But what always admired about the film market was those genre pictures, horror, thrillers, those kind of things, they don't rely on a big name. And I was like, well, okay, that's going to suit me however I don't really like horror thrillers that much you know in terms of my own writing I enjoy them but then I'm not very good writing them but another one is children's so Danny had just started picking up some credits on the CBBC and CBB shows so I was like oh hang on so he knows a bit of that and all. so let's do a children's movie and then when we started getting look, looking into it we realised how underrepresented it was for kids in a kids movie you know like old school 70s, 80s style, Goonies style, it's kind of had fallen out of favour. When I hear something's fallen out of favour, I always think, great, that's underrepresented, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, a market that uh, could grow. So I was like, right, well, let's, let's give that a go. So I think that is a kind of a more writerly answer to that, which yeah. is like, we weren't just writing any old thing, well, I had written any old thing and it wasn't working. So it become more about what can we write that's going to be commercial, that gets a bit of interest behind it, might be a bit newsworthy. First film with kids in the lead role, you know, um, made in the UK in like 10 years or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, could people might get behind it. And they did start to get, uh, get behind it. Um, uh, got the attention of people because we were so proactive and positive that we were doing it. We like we weren't we weren't like we weren't going to people say we're thinking of doing this. We said we're going to be shooting this uh, movie next summer. This was about November. We started talking about it, wasn't it? So wasn't that wasn't that long away? It's like this is the movie we're going to be shooting um, 
uh, next summer, a children's movie. That's when we're doing it. Anyone want to join in? And um, like Nigel Cole, who's uh, uh, very well accomplished uh, TV and film director that had done Calendar Girls. Um, he he was like, yeah, this is great. You know, I'll, I'll help you. So he mentored us through that process. But only because he knew that we were doing it. No, because I saw he tweeted. Going, oh, yes. Where, where, I saw him on Twitter. That's right. Saying, where are all the kids' films? Where are all the family films? And I was like, we're doing one. We're doing one. We're doing uh, it next summer. And then all of a sudden we're meeting him in the bathtub for a cup of coffee yeah. to talk about it. And he was like, I can't do anything for you except lend my name to the project. We were like, great, let's do that. But that gave it that stamp of um, legitimacy and also like safe pair of hands. So again, like people might not know us, but they'd heard of him. So it became something um, more mainstream in that way suddenly. Uh, but yeah, it's like that, that kind of putting a date in the diary when you're going to be doing something. You can do that even if you have no ambition to film, mate. You just want to do your scripts and just be the writer. don't mean that in a derogatory way by the word just. I mean solely be the writer. But then it's like give, be rigorous with yourself on the dates. When's that going to be finished by? it's very easy to let these things drift under the guise of you know being the cool free form writer but at the same time if you're thinking about writing as a job you must be as strict with yourself as anyone else would be with deadlines you know in, in any other work yeah because we chose to be our, our own producers in a way and, and push our projects forward but you might not be interested in that or kind of have the kind of passion to do that and that's fine so if we focus more on the writing and how do you get started from that and what do you do because somebody's asked um, how do you support yourself while you're pursuing your writing um, and you know nobody's a writer overnight nobody really cares that you're a writer nobody's asked you to be a writer so nobody's going to pay you to be a writer until you get your until you prove yourself as a writer so there's a catch 22 so what do you do so I'm going to say what I did mm. because Tim mentioned I was working in Channel 4 and it was a great job it was, uh, it was a really cushy job and um, great fun great people but I wanted to be a writer so I, I kind of my choice was to give up the day job and really go for it um, like an all or nothing approach and I wouldn't recommend this for everybody but I just had something in, in my mind that I could, su I could survive uh, in terms of paying the bills and stuff if I earned a certain amount so I chose um, to keep what I earned on topic with what I was trying to do. So I did some script reading and I did some script editing. Um, so I used mo any contacts that I built from Channel 4 to get me some script reading work, which helped me then focus on my own writing, which all the script reading made me a better writer, but it helped me pay the bills. So it was, but it was four years then, four years before I got my first TV gig uh, and my first agent, uh, and I won a writing award. So I think the lesson for me is how much do you really want it? How much are you going to push yourself? How much are you going to commit to being a writer? Because I just knew it was what I wanted to do above all else and I had to do it. And so I kind of made it work even though there was years of being very stressed about how it was going to work. Because even after that four years and getting the gig, it wasn't like I was in and there was mm. instant income. I had to work harder to kind of to make sure that the income stream came along. So my boiling it down to the question, my advice, and Tim, you might have a different angle, is just to try and keep whatever you're earning 
uh, as on topic to what you're trying to write. Uh, and even if you can't, but you want to dedicate time to writing, then it's just like you have to define a, a structure that's going to work in your schedule that you're going to be able to start your scripts and finish your scripts and then get it out there, um, which we can talk about a bit later in terms of what, what you do to get out there. Yeah. So well, it's, it's difficult, but it's not impossible, is the, is the kind of basic answer. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do the route that Danny did, so I, I kind of had... Um, well, I was doing corporate videos, uh, learning about, obviously, working with actors doing that and also editing and getting better at those things. So I was doing that, which I would then reduce the days over time. So completely different Danny's all-or-nothing approach. I did the gradual wean-yourself-off approach. Um, it's just finding what's right for you, I think, and the way that you would uh, do it. Like, I understand Danny's reticent about my approach is that he would get suckered you know, you can drop drop down to three days a week and you get something that goes back up to five working on the non-writing things. But it didn't work like that for me. I was okay doing it. And it was a little bit on topic, as Danny says as well, for him, as, as his was, in the fact of obviously I was working with equipment, editing, and uh, just getting, um, learning more technical, te technical things, mm. I suppose. Uh, so, which I enjoy anyway, so that was okay. Uh, so it's, it, there's no right or wrong way to... Uh, to get your foot in the door to start your writing um, career but I think it's about being if you if you are serious about it being serious about it having some sort of plan that you've thought through yourself that's going to work for you and then just go and then and then implementing that plan um, it, it's not even uh, rocket science we know different people that have done different things so they've got flexible jobs or one of those jobs where you do like three days a week full on you know like 14 hour days or whatever and then you know we know people that have done all these different things it's whatsoever works for them in their situation but all the people that we've seen that have come through are the ones that apply themselves and really go for it writing's quite slow yeah. and it always takes longer than you think it's going to take so you really want to be bitten, trying to carve out a decent amount of time to be able to implement it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick up a great question here from Spencer. Hello, Spencer. That's Spencer, everybody over there. Uh, is there a, cor a, cor a right way to approach producers about writing for a show, for their show? So basically, how do you approach uh, writing for a show? Hello. Um, so I'm going to break that. I mean, it's a great question. It's a really difficult question, but I'm going to break it down into three categories of easy <laughs> and harder and difficult. And I'm, and I'm going okay. to... Uh, I, the three things that are easy in terms of the children's genre, children's TV, if you're interested in TV, it's easy to reach out to those type of producers because there's no um, hierarchy or ego involved in terms of the people that they will consider um, to write on their shows. You just need to kind of show that you're interested, have a good script that you can back up who you are, and they will kind of take interest in you or consider you. That's pretty easy in my view. Just do some research in terms of children's um, area and you'll be able to kind of develop something or you'll be able to contact them. The harder one is something like EastEnders or Casualty or Holby or any kind of prime time mainstream English UK show. Uh, maybe even moving up to Doctor Who, 
So something like the, the soaps, there's a, there's, a, there's a procedure to be considered mm. for the soaps that you need to kind of fall in line with. So the BBC have broken it down into um, what they call shadow schemes for each show, uh, where you have to have an agent, uh, and then the agent kind of recommends you to the shadow scheme. Then the shadow scheme reads this script that you've written, which is an original piece of work that you've written as your, you know, this is my story as a spec script, that they call it. And if they like that writing, they invite you in to do a shadow episode of EastEnders or whatever. So that's harder. So that's a kind of pr the procedure that they yeah. go for. And then the really difficult is, say, if boss you want, mode. Boss, boss mode. mode. If you <laughs> if you want to work, if you want to write for Doctor Who, if you want to write for The Dark Crystal, if you want to write for anything really kind of big, right? So that's usually built on profile and reputation. I'm leaning away from the microphone. I'll lean back. <laughs> that's more based on profile and reputation. I'll come to you in a second. Um, but again, it's not impossible. Uh, because of who you are, what your approach might be, or what you might have achieved so far in your career. Um, because those type of big shows do sometimes take um, a chance on absolutely brand new writers. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but you know sometimes the talent does shine through, and they say, let's take a chance. And just quickly, um, just to highlight, a combination of all those approaches, in my experience, was writing for Thunderbirds. So I've written for the new Thunderbirds. And when the, the show was announced, uh, I was like, that's so exciting, that's amazing. And I was already jealous of the people who were, who were going to write for the show. And then I saw a friend on Twitter, I think it was Sophie Petzl, mm. uh, said, oh, hello, producers of Thunderbirds, I'm available to, for write, to write for the show. So it was just a joke on Twitter. But I saw it and I was just like, I'm going to email the producers and actually say I'm available because what's the worst that can happen? But I didn't know who the producers were. I didn't have their emails. So I just looked it up online, found their, an email at, at ITV, emailed them, said I, I'd really love to kind of write for the show. I'm a big fan of Thunderbirds. It's so exciting. And of course, I emailed the wrong person. But that person emailed back saying, you've, you've emailed incorrectly. You should email these people. And they had CC'd them in. So that gave me valid justification to follow it up without being an arsehole or without being pushy. So I was just being friendly and polite, not expecting anything at all to happen. But a conversation developed from those email kind of um, correspondence. And then six months later, I was pitching to the head writer over Skype uh, for, for an episode of the show. So it's just... But you weren't, you, weren't, you, weren't, you weren't no one at that point, though, Danny. You got some good credits I had, in that I, in that In field. Kids TV. In Kids TV. That was part of my email. I have, mm. I have actually written for a Kids TV yeah. But I, I asked the producer when I finally met her, I said, why did you respond to my email? Why did you consider me um, when everybody else was trying to write for the show? And she said, uh, everybody else was using their agents and it was all very formal approach, which is the right thing to do. Yeah. It's like, that's what the agent is supposed to do. Let me recommend my writer yeah. to you. Yeah. Please consider him for the show or her. Um, but because I'd made it kind of friendly and informal without being annoying, she liked, mm. she liked it. We, we just got into a nice correspondence. So it yeah. paid off. Yeah. Uh, but it, uh, that's given me the confidence to go, oh, I want to write for The Dark Crystal. I'm going to email the head, the head writer tomorrow. You know, I don't know his email, but I'll find it out. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, question, yes, question. I was just wondering about the vulnerability of submitting your work mm. and it being rejected and then possibly 
Okay, let me just repeat the question for the microphone here. So oh, that's very professional, yeah, Thank very, you. Very good, thank very good, you. very good. Uh, the, uh, the question was, uh, what's the vulnerability of kind of sending out your work and potentially being rejected, but potentially your work being plagiarised, uh, which is a very common concern for new writers or newer writers. I've never worried about it ever. Um, you, uh, cop UK copyright laws are pretty solid in terms of when you write a script, when you write a story that's original to you, that, that is 100% yours and nobody can kind of take it away. Ideas are not copyright. Mm. So if, if you've got an idea about a postman who saves the world from an alien attack, and I've got an idea about a postman who saves the world from an alien attack, our stories could be completely different, but you know, our ideas are the same. So we, we can't copyright that idea. In fact, anybody there who's inspired by that idea, feel free to take it on. Um, write that down. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah, I, yeah, I understand... He's already written it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand the kind of where it comes from, that question. And to be on the safe side, you can, co you can register your work um, so that nobody can kind of exploit it. So you can do that in the UK here via the Writers Guild, I think. Yeah. I, I would, but the Writers Guild of America has a, a very inexpensive fee as well. Like I, I, I kind of, uh, Danny said all the right things, I tend to have a slightly different approach to it, which is to say, that's not your worry. What I mean by that is, your more worry is that no one's going to read your work, not that it's so great that someone's going to steal it, which I don't mean to be harsh, but it's like that's the greater danger for a, for a, a writer that's starting out right now. Good writing, it's good writing. If, it, if it's good writing, it's good writing. That, this, is, this, is, this is true. Yeah. Uh, this is true, uh, and it's 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 always easier for the person that you've sent it to 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 negotiate with you than to kind of take parts of it and and use it. Is like so high risk. So we have a thing. Well, big time. We have a thing. We're always talking about in the in our film production office, which makes it sound really grand. Um, chain of title. This thing called chain of title. So if you want to get your film insured and covered by insurance, you've got to be, you've got to show the insurer, you know, where's this film come from? Here's all the steps it's been through. Here's the people that own it. Okay, great, I can sign off against that. For us to lie to the insurer and say, well, actually, there is this script come through the door, but we're not going to tell you about that. We, we could sink the whole business, which at our level is still disastrous. But if we were a bigger business super disastrous you know we don't want to be getting into all that you know it's not even about the right of suing it it's about your 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 errors in the mission insurance would be invalid right which would be a bad thing in, in, to have as a media production company uh so you'd be personally liable all these kind of terrible things right so it's not worth that for someone to in, instead go you know i quite like just your idea but i didn't like your script or whatever is five grand and that's much, that's much cheaper way to make that problem not go away but to incorporate that writer in so the number one danger for new writers, I think, is that they don't send it to enough people. Yeah. That's the, just what I mean. That's what I suppose what I'm trying to get to is like, you know, you'd be so lucky that your idea is so great that someone would want to steal it. It's more likely that you've got some good ideas, got some great ideas, but you've kept they're in the bottom drawer. You know, they've not enough people's read them. And if you're being held back by a kind of concern that someone's going to steal it. That's a kind of going to damage... You're doing more damage to yourself than anyone else could ever do to you. Does that make kind of make kind of sense? I think... I try, I try and sort of steer it that way because I, 
I've seen so many great writers that have got great scripts that they've kind of not felt that they should send to people. I'm just like, well, you're shooting yourself in the foot, let alone anything else, you know? Um, so I, I, I would try to steer people. I don't want to say it's never happened. It has kind of, you know, there's always sort of, oh, it did happen to that person and all. It's a bit like, so I don't want to say that, but I'd just say, no, this like 0.01% of the times it's happened. Your worry isn't that so much. It's more the other way around of just like, no, please send your script out to everyone that you can get it in your damn hands of. They're going to try and not take it off you. Yeah. You, you, you. You want to be trying to get them to read it and, and sign, sign that non-disclosure just to get, get people reading it, get people reading it. And of course, what I'd say to someone that goes, yeah, but they might say, well, look, if you've only got one idea anyway, then that's not, you've not got a writing career in front of you. You know, you should have five, six scripts anyway. Mm. So why are we worrying about this one anyway? Let's get them all out. Let's get them all out, get, them, get, get people reading it, make them fans of your work. You know, no one wants to steal from someone that they're a fan of anyway. Don't know, that was a bit of a rant. No, but. that's okay. Because ide ideas are similar. You'd be surprised how many... Uh, um, I mean, there are people paid every day to just kind of brainstorm ideas. Um, and once you start reading scripts, you see that everybody's kind of got a samey kind of um, approach to their concepts sometimes. I think the only time your concern becomes a real valid thing is when you bring me your idea called Alien Postman, right? And uh, we develop it or we have talks about it. And then ultimately I decide I'm not going to do it or something like that. And six months later you read that I'm doing a film called Postman Alien or something like that. And you're like, hold on a second, you know. So then you'd have a valid kind of gripe against me. But again, it would go back down to, oh yeah, we, we, we talked about the idea, but I'm taking it in a different direction. But I might, in Hollywood there are some harder, hardcore nuts who would dismiss you completely and maybe take advantage. Um, but... I think most people don't want to be an arsehole, so they might concede, mm. go, okay, yeah, I'll give you some money for some development to acknowledge that we worked on it together, but now it's my own separate thing. Uh, so there are permutations to it, um, but ultimately I wouldn't worry as a new writer. Um, but if you do think you have a valid claim against somebody who's genuinely nicked your uh, characters, your storyline, your idea, then try and take. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Try and, try but it's so. It's so. I've never heard of it in the UK, really, in a screenwriting way. I did a course with industrial scripts a few years ago. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was very, very good. Um, and um, they were saying that because I'm in a position as someone that likes to perform, and I'm not performing for a while because it's so expensive, and that's from film gyms, that sort of thing. Yeah. And they say if you want to do a film, you've got the idea for the film and script. You should try and do some other version of it before getting going straight to the screen. Right. Yeah. So you get people interested. Do you mean like do a one man show? Yeah, or do a play. Yeah, well, I love yeah, that yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's so much going out there, isn't there? That taps hundred percent. I'm so going to repeat that for the mic here. Problem. I'm just so lazy at organising myself. And well, that is your script, own problem. Script, that's why I, really, <laughs> I, think, I don't know whether I should concentrate just on writing. Well, what, what's your name? What's, um, your, what's your name? My name is Robert Inston. Robert, Robert. Robert Inston has just come up with a, a great recommendation yeah, that he yeah. learned uh, <laughs> via Industrial Scripts, uh, um, who we know well. Yeah. Um, and it was basically, if you're developing, uh, developing a screenplay for a film or for any, maybe if, even if it's a short or whatever, uh, try and get it off the ground in a different format, like a play or a book or a one-man show or something like that, because then it is 100% yours. 
like you know that's a good point let's use a high profile example of somebody like Fleabag who takes a one woman show to Edinburgh and it becomes a hit and then it becomes a TV show and then it becomes a worldwide phenomenon so you know those kind of things happen I think yes I mean I I think a play it's so many benefits to it this is the thing right I'm torn between um, because I I hate the the whole concept I mean I love monologues Mm. but I'm really in between wanting to be a monologue and comedy and stand up so I don't want anymore. I mean, it's something in the middle. Yeah, that's and, fine. That sounds that sounds I, fantastic. I was, so now I'm writing that. So yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. It's taking me a while and so slow, but you know. But well, we love it because it taps into our proactive of doing it, of doing, yeah, it, of yeah, doing yeah. it. You know, and there's so, there's so many, many different ideas. Yeah. It's so distracted. I think uh, yeah, but <laughs> I would be. I would take our approach there. What I'd throw that back to you is to yeah. say what we did to ourselves with Nigel Cole and our movie and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like, when's that going to be, when are you going to yeah, put yeah. this so show on, Robert? I mean, when are you, you going to do it next Edinburgh? Just do both but th- then that's when it is, and we don't want to hear an excuse of why it isn't on there already. Because it sounds like you've half written it already. Well, it's all in there, yeah. yeah. Oh, get it out, get on the page. Zero then, forget that. I made a film about Jack the Ripper, which is very much like a promo, it's not like a script. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think there's so many positive things yeah. to doing things in other formats. You've in your, on your deadlines. And yeah, you've got yeah. all that, but it gets it out there. Easy life. I don't really have many deadlines. <laughs> no, no, but that gives you one, yeah, yeah. and because that's when the audience is going to be there. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. You don't want to let your exactly. public down, Robert. And the, uh, <laughs> but it also can act as a kind of uh, workshop because yeah, yeah. Um, going back long time ago, days of the Marx Brothers in America. They would take in the 30s and 40s, they'd take their new movies out as a stage play, mm. not in Hollywood, not in New York, oh, around the Midwest, yeah. around the South. And, um, and of course, they'd work out what gags were working and what the timing was. Mm. And so when you do the movie, they're just basically doing the, the poly, super polished stage play. I, I went to a film festival and, um, a few weeks ago, and they were saying about uh, if you've got an idea for a film. Know, and you're maybe thinking about making a short film, yeah. so a short version, or doing something that's like it, yeah. so you're not um, wasting your idea, because yes. you use it, and it's like, oh, what's been done, what else can you do, but well, then that was your big money idea, so maybe don't try and make that on a budget, just make something that's like it, yeah. and then you can kind of showcase that, yeah. or yeah. even like with that wine tasting, it sounds brilliant, you could do like loads of little shorts, or if you've got yeah. friends who you want to reunion with, yeah. and yeah. just use what you have, or yeah. use the people around you, and then, we're obviously 100% on board with that idea you know short films that are kind of spin-offs or in the same genre Mm. Um, you know if you're going to do a short film anyway you might as well do it towards something bigger Um, I think the thing that caught me off guard actually uh, as Danny was saying in the intro um, was when I got this BAFTA nomination back in the day I was quite young and I was a bit I wasn't ready for it so I try and teach everyone now to be like, make sure you've got the stuff to back it up. So, you know, if you've got your short and you're working on your short, this is what happened to me, obviously, this was a short, a short film. I didn't have a feature script after. And by the time I'd written it, it was kind of everyone had sort of forgotten who I was. And uh, I wish I'd been able to hit the ground running because I had some good introductions on the back of it, like some good ag- United agents and like some good meetings that would be difficult for me to get now. <laughs> I was having them then. But, of course, I didn't have much to kind of say or follow it up with. So I think it's important for people to get their kind of portfolio together, 
doesn't have to all be polished doesn't have to be has to have certain cornerstones to it i think it's good that you know people should have a couple of scripts i think so that they've got one they really like and they've got a short that's based on that and they maybe got another idea that's a bit the same but not too near the same over here so that people go yeah i like this i'm not sure about this like what else have you got you're like oh well i've got an idea uh, we always have you know we have a board app in in the office full of these silly ideas that we've that we have most of which we'll never we'll never do but just remind you that you've got those and then you can go oh yeah well if you don't like that mm. we've got a comedy one about you know a hamster that builds a rocket or you know whether yeah. some nonsense thing but it doesn't matter because it's it's like it might capture people's imagination so i think it's you try to build a portfolio i suppose of scripts and good work um so that you've got it yes yeah, i teach uh, filmmaking to teenagers in east london and um, I would also say that uh, as an economic kind of uh, way around it is to do podcasts, yeah. to do scripts, yeah. Get yeah, yeah. because in terms of making a film, it costs, as you say, you've got to have the team, you've got yeah. uh, the equipment, and it costs. Whereas writing scripts, if you want to get lots of ideas running um, uh, at the same time, or yeah. economically, doing podcasts is a really good idea, building up a radio. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even basically doing a table read of your, of your script is such a positive thing. That's not even for public consumption. But explain what you mean by a table read. A table read in terms of you've written a script and you might want to record it, but you don't want to record it for public consumption. You just want to record it for yourself to find out what it's like out loud. So you get some actors uh, or get even some friends around, give them some pizza and beer and just kind of, okay, you're playing John, you're playing Mary, you're playing whatever. You read out the scene descriptions if you want, or get somebody to read out the scene descriptions, and it becomes a proactive workshop of your script mm. uh, for free. Um, and or you can actually perform it a bit more professionally as a podcast, as you say, mm. and get it out there. Um, Again, there's a lot to be uh, gained gained from a good table read. I did one a few, quite a few years ago now. Uh, still remember it well because. My producer friend Adam helped me produce this table read. We were going to do this movie together. He's like, let's do a good table read. So we actually had like really good actors uh, in the room uh, reading them out, reading out the lines. But, of course, because they're good actors, they're thinking about their character. So they would go, now, Tim, in this line here, you know, I'm saying this, but why am I saying that? And, of course, like from my writing point of view... I'm thinking, well, you're saying that because I need you to get on to the next plot point, right? But, but that don't wash for the actor. They don't want, that's no good. So I'm like, right, okay, this is good. I need to delve a bit deeper into that. So there was much more uh, feedback than I thought there would be. And so the next draft was much, much stronger. Now, you're right. This were, now if I was doing it, I'd probably go a bit further and do it almost as a play because we had such great actors there we might as well have transitioned that with a little 10% more work into something that actually had a value and had a life by itself, you know, and we could have shared and been proud to share. And uh, I think anything like that is a good idea. It's just getting into the habit of making things, you know, making them and sharing them and putting them in front of people and saying, nerve-wracking though it is, you know, what do you think about this? Do you like it? What don't you like? Just having that... Uh, two-way conversation with your audience is so exciting to me anyway nerve-wracking but exciting and very positive 
I've got a really great question here, if nobody has an immediate question right now. Um, and it's more about the craft of writing, but I'd kind of like to kind of just put it out there. Tim, which facets, Tim. Which facets, facets of the crafts of writing do you feel you're still learning? Mm. Uh, well, the thing... And directing, if you want. No, let's stick to the writing, I guess. But um, one of the things I've just been thinking about more, because I think we've got better at it, or I've got better at it, is probably the writing, writing for marketing. So I don't mean having a job where I'm doing some copywriting for a marketing company. What I mean is presenting things and phrasing things in a way that makes it seem commercial. For pitch purposes. For pitching and so on. So when you're working on a script, well, like you were saying, Robert, almost, like you've got all these ideas flowing around your head, you know, and you're trying to go, is it a bit of this, is it a bit of this, and so on. And we all have that, and that's how we develop interesting ideas. But then trying to boil it right down to the real nub of what it is that you think that you've created by the time that you've finished, and getting better at kind of it, 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 talking about that mm. in a clear way, whatever it is. Mm. It's easy to go, well, it's about a dog, and the dog's got an owner, and uh, you know what I mean and it gets all waffly and you're just like no you know it's about a dog that does tennis that's what it's about and, it, and, and everyone goes oh, okay that sounds rubbish or they, oh, yeah, <laughs> or they like it and just getting better at that kind of uh, part of the right, being a writer which isn't about the craft necessarily of a better script but of making sure that more people w that would be interested in your script are looking at it yeah. so not mis-selling it so that people read it and they it's go, sexy, isn't it, really? kind of making it sexy, making it, making it seem appealing. It's just trying to. Well, like in just, terms of professional documents, it's like one page pitch, yeah. two page it's pitch, an outline, yes. a treatment, and writing them can be very difficult. Nobody likes reading a treatment. I can tell you that. No. Nobody, nobody likes writing them either. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why we do so, it, but they are it. kind of essential. It's or they, process, it's it terrible. is. It is really useful though. It's um, kind of narcissistic in a way. Yeah. No, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, we well, yeah, might like it. <laughs> <laughs> I invented the language. <laughs> yeah. I just don't recognise my genius. Yeah. So yeah, so I think I think that's one thing that I'm trying to get better at is being better at um, describing things in a more commercial and simpler manner, so that it finds the right home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's a different type of writing. That's what it comes down to. So it's all writing, but they're different kinds of styles. They're very different. That's why I think I'm not attracted to writing a book, writing a novel. Oh no, 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 no. Um, I, mean, I don't like fiction. Don't be saying that round here. <laughs> what are you going? Is this? You get thrown out of the building. Book festival. They're, they're moving in behind. They got how they got tasers. They got everything out there. Alfred said there's no such thing as fiction. Everything comes from real life, so it's not really fiction. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's that's almost that's almost philosophical. Yeah, yeah. write your own <laughs> write your own book. Write, your own yeah, book. write a book about it. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm learning. Then it's like I've, I've come from a very heavy script background. Just like as a script reader uh, and as a writer, I was just obsessed with what the script said and what this and how the script was presented or how the script was written. And so, um, you know, that famous quote is it from Hitchcock? You know, what's the three most important things? The script, the script, the script. Mm. So I, I bought into that f completely, uh, but now I've kind of gone away from it a little bit because I'm learning more about writing because you can convince yourself that you've written a really great script or that's really strong or that's, um, that's the best I can make it or that's, that's going to really impress them. But when somebody reads it, 
kind of um, they don't know anything about you and they don't know anything about the story it's just another script to them mm. um, and it's not wowing their world at all so they're not connecting with it in the way that you think is so clear on the page that they should be connecting with it and this is the challenge of screenwriting in terms of how you can make all of those elements come alive but still make it that it's just screenwriting um, and having done a lot of animation writing it's the trick of making everything as clear as possible because even when we write we think everything we write is clear but then when, when you come to direct it but mm. for the animators doing the storyboard or the directors they're, they're like I'm not sure what you mean here um, and that's and when I got that feedback back I was like I was challenged in a way because I thought it's clear as day and then I'm like doing a little doodle by myself and I see my notebook on and he comes in here and he jumps over there and then of course that's, that became the way I wrote it rather than like he just kind of sails into the room yeah. and, and uh, you can get your blocking wrong in a directing parlance and uh, you, you can confuse the reader but I feel a lot more at ease about rewriting now when before yeah. I'd be like oh such work oh this is perfect as it is <laughs> uh, and the, the kind of inexperienced way of doing rewriting is just tweaking what you have Tweaking a scene yeah, here, so tweaking quite a lot of scraps that I can bring it together. Yeah, so yeah. it's okay to kind of get kind of excited about a new approach, uh, but realizing that a good chunk of it is going to go, or maybe even starting from scratch. And um, I'm I'm much more at ease about that. And I yeah, but they, embrace that part of the process. But you you have a skill that um, that you, a secret weapon, Danny. Yeah. Uh, which is the speed that you type. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Best thing I did was learn to type. I mean, this is the thing because he's he's uh, uh, he, he he's brave with his like kind of let's delete these three pages and just uh, uh, let's just write them again so my heart would sink whatever but of course he's he's thinking that's five minutes typing work right whereas I'm like well that's an hour isn't it but it, 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 it's funny it's it's not though is it it's just like it's identifying it it's got to go it's easy to start again and do you know what if you even type in. When you finished, when you re, when you finished your your work, of reworking it, and then you you look back at it. So what if it's fifty percent like the other one? You can be confident that you've reevaluated all those lines and you've not kept them in because you couldn't be bothered. You know that's the thing, isn't it? It's just like no, they've deserved their place. They've been deleted and we and we've typed them back in. It's a bit like no, they've earned their place. We're one hundred percent can be behind those particular lines of dialogue. And uh, I think that's something I've learned from Danny is that being uh, being brave to just like no, just let's just delete it and start again. If they were, if those lines were any good, we'd remember them. Oh yeah, I'm happy to disrupt. <laughs> and if they weren't any good, then we won't remember them. And they've edited themselves yeah. in that way. He's you you typed in the whole script again once, didn't you? Like a whole like you were telling me one time, like sixty minute script or something. Yeah. You just you just typed it up again. You were just like I've got to cut ten pages out. If I just type it all in. Again, from start. I'll, I'll be tempted to try and s yeah. skip some bits because yeah. they're not needed and improve existing uh, stuff. I, was, I would never do that, but there you go. Anyway, <laughs> that's us. We got to finish now. Thanks for right idea for having us. Thanks for everybody in the room for uh, coming and uh, being involved. That's been great. Uh, we've been Tim and Danny from the UK Script Writers Podcast. We do have a book called the UK Script Writers Guide. To, no, no I've forgotten already. UK scriptwriters survival handbook. That's it. We do and, have that. And also our <laughs> write a script in ten weeks which is guide, which is great for the new year. So get it for Christmas for the new year. And you can always email us at ukscriptwriters at hotmail.com 
Or you can find us online on our personal websites and Twitters and Facebooks. No worries. All right. That's See it. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey.